This podcast contains a seminar organized by the Braille Institute at its Los Angeles facility on May 7, 2014, one of a series of seminars conducted by the Institute. The speakers were Michael J. Davis, M.D., who spoke on macular degeneration, and Jessica Beckman, M.D., who spoke on glaucoma. Both speakers are with the Retina Institute in Greater Los Angeles. Hello, thanks for having me today. I'm glad to be here. Um, Today I'll be giving a talk about glaucoma, the screening, treatment, and diagnosis. Um, If you guys have any questions, feel free to stop me. But if we could hold personal questions to the end and you come up and ask me individually, I think that would be best. So here we go. So glaucoma is a group of disorders that's characterized by damage to the optic nerve. This damage to the optic nerve causes irreversible vision loss. It's often associated with elevated pressure in the eye, which is also called elevated interocular pressure. This elevated pressure in the eye um, causes loss of nerve fibers that can compose the optic nerve. So there are several different types of glaucoma. These types include congenital glaucoma, primary open angle glaucoma, angle closure glaucoma, a normal tension glaucoma, and secondary glaucoma. About 90% of the glaucoma in the United States is primary open angle glaucoma, or POAG for short. So just a review um, on eye anatomy. This is the front of the eye. That's called the cornea. And light enters the eye through the cornea, travels through the pupil, which is the black opening in the eye, and then hits the back part of the eye called the retina. The retina then takes this light signals, um, transduces it into nerve signals, and those nerve signals um, go back to the brain through the structure, structure of the optic nerve. So here's another picture of the optic nerve. When your eye doctor looks into the back of your eye, oftentimes he's looking at the retina in addition to the optic nerve which is composed of each of those individual neurons that help you see light. So further eye anatomy um, includes the drainage of fluid from the eye. The fluid in the eye is called aqueous humor, and that's important because the drainage of that fluid through the trabecular meshwork, which is shown right here, um, accounts for um, each individual person's pressure. So if fluid drains through the trabecular meshwork easier, your pressure is going to be lower. Whereas if it's if your trabecular meshwork has trouble draining the fluid, you can often have high pressure in the eye. So many of you might ask, well, how do I know if I have glaucoma? Well, the best thing to do is go see your eye care provider and ask them. Because the symptoms of primary, most patients who have primary open angle glaucoma are asymptomatic, which means they don't know they have the disease until it's detected by their eye care doctor or until they have permanent visual loss. So you may or may not have elevated pressure on your eye exam. And as I said earlier, glaucoma causes gradual loss of peripheral vision. Most patients don't notice that they're losing their peripheral vision until it starts to affect the center of the vision. And glaucoma doesn't affect the central part of your vision until late in the course of the disease. And unfortunately, um, glaucoma is one disease 
that cause, can cause permanent and total blindness. Whereas macular degeneration, which Dr. Davis just talked about, it only tends to involve the center and you keep the peripheral vision. So when you go see your eye doctor, your eye doctor looks for a few things on exam to determine whether or not you may or may not have glaucoma. The first thing they do is check your interocular pressure or IOP. As I mentioned earlier, high pressure in your eye can be associated with glaucoma, but not always. They also, and I'll go over each one of these more uh, in depth on the next slides, but they might also know, notice what's called increased cupping of the optic nerve. And then we'll do visual field screenings on you, and those can cause a progressive characteristic visual field loss. Also, if any of you have glaucoma, they also often do a scan of your optic nerves to measure the thickness of the optic nerves. And this is called um, an ocular coherence topography or an OCT of the retinal nerve fiber layer. So, as I mentioned earlier, increased pressure in your eye may or may not be associated with glaucoma. Normal pressure um, in a population is less than or equal to 21. But just because you have a high pressure in your eye doesn't mean that you necessarily have glaucoma because some patients will naturally have high pressure in their eye. And IOP, the pressure in the eye, is skewed towards higher measurements. And as I mentioned earlier, some patients may have thick corneas, and that can artificially cause an elevated pressure in the eye. So this picture just shows what's called increased cupping of the optic nerve. So the photo on your left right here shows a normal optic nerve with a normal cup-to-disc ratio. However, in a glaucomatous nerve or in patients who have glaucoma, this cup-to-disc ratio is increased. So here is the optic disc. So that's the disc. And here's the cup. See how this cup is a lot larger than this cup. And that means that there have been loss of the nerve fibers that transmit signal, visual signals back to the brain. Here's another just uh, cartoon illustration to help demonstrate this. Here's a normal optic nerve again, and here's a glaucomatous optic nerve with loss of the um, nerve fiber layer. So there are several different types of glaucoma tests, as I mentioned earlier. The, next, the first one is the pressure checking test. Then we have what's called gonioscopy, which looks at the trabecular meshwork or the drainage um, structure of the eye. We also have visual field testing and um, OCT retinal nerve fiber layer. So the first thing we do when you come to the doctor's office, many of you have are familiar with the old air puff way of measuring pressure. That way has largely been replaced by actual direct contact methods. And what I mean is we actually put something up against the eye to check the pressure itself. Um, this is called a tonopen. It's a good screening test for um, all patients when they come to the eye doctor just to get a a quick measurement of what their pressure is. However, the gold standard or the more accurate way of checking pressure is by actually putting a Goldman um, applination tip up against the cornea of the eye and indenting it slightly to get a good reading. Um, for those of you who have trouble seeing it, this patient, this is the patient's eye and this is the slit lamp and this is directly touching the eyeball itself to obtain a pressure measurement. Yes. The question was, does that uh, applinator tip hurt your eyeball? And the answer is no. 
a lot of patients are scared because there's something coming directly at their eye that will touch the eye. But the drop we put in prior to measuring the eye pressure numbs the eyeball itself, so you won't be able to feel it. Yes? The question was, can you use that same measurement if you have an implant in the eye? And the answer to that is yes. So uh, that's with the, 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 the interocular lens, or you've had cataract surgery, right? Yes. You can use the same way to measure it, pressure. Okay, the next text we do is to look at the angle of the eye, which is the drainage structure of the eye. We, the exam technique is called gonioscopy. And this determines whether or not you have open angle or angle closure glaucoma. As I mentioned earlier, 90% of the glaucoma in the U.S. is open angle, but we always want to verify that by using this exam. So here's just a cartoon illustration of what we look for. You can't see the angle on the open eye because of eye optics, so we have to put this special mirror, as I showed you right here earlier, on the eyeball itself to view this angle. So open angle means the iris, oops, the iris is flat and not occluding this angle. In angle closure, the iris tends to have more of a bowed position and it actually obstructs the angle and prevents fluid outflow from occurring. As many of you know, visual field testing is a very important part of glaucoma, both in screening and in progression and uh, monitoring the stability of the disease. And it's an objective way for the physician to make sure that your glaucoma is not getting worse because as I mentioned earlier, most patients don't know that they have glaucoma until end stages of disease or until they've lost a significant amount of vision. So over here on the left is what's called a Humphrey visual field tester. So to do this exam, they put a patch over one eye and have you focus on a light straight ahead. The machine then displays lights in your peripheral vision and you press a button on the machine every time you see a light. And it's some, sometimes it's a hard test to take and there's a little bit of a learning curve. So the first time you take that test, it might not be very good. The question was, can this test be used to monitor cataracts? And it can't necessarily be used to monitor cataracts, but when your cataracts are really bad, you can't take the test as well because the light doesn't get through the cataract as well. So that's a good question. Yeah, I, yeah sometimes it's really yeah. hard to take. There's a big learning curve. It's tough. Yeah. So the image over here on the right shows um, a patient's uh, visual field test. The black areas are areas which the patient can't see, and the white areas are where the patient can see. So this uh, visual field test is consistent with damage caused by glaucoma. As you can see, the central part of the vision remains, but all around the outside in the black areas, the patient can't see these areas. Um, the next text we use to look for glaucoma or monitor progression of the disease is called OCT uh, RNFL, or ocular coherence tom tomography of the retinal nerve fiber layer. And this is a scan used to measure how thick the optic nerve is. Patients with glaucomas have thin optic nerves. And that is, if you remember the first pictures I showed you at the beginning um, of how what a normal optic nerve looks like, and what a glaucomatous optic nerve looks like, that loss of tissue or that increased cupping is what causes that thinning. So here's a picture of an OCT. 
Um, everything in green is normal, but everything in red and yellow is abnormal. So as you can see, this patient has lost thickness of their optic nerve because of their glaucoma. And we can tell that because the scan shows us this red area and this yellow area. When it gets really severe, it will be all red and yellow, which worries us. So the diagnosis of glaucoma is based on a combination of findings. So each individual, they may have a normal visual field, but their pressure might be too high, or their OCT might have a lot of thinning. So it will be discussed with the patient whether or not to stop drops based on those combination of findings on the exam. So if you are diagnosed with a glaucoma, what happens next? So there are a few different types of treatments for glaucoma. There's medical treatment, we have laser surgeries that we can do, and we have regular surgeries as well. The first um, line of treatment for all glaucoma patients is to start them on medications. And here is just a sampling of the many different types of medications that are available. There are also combination medications that combine two different classes of medications and put them into one bottle. Um, that's for easier patient compliance and adherence. So there are four main classes of uh, glaucoma drops. These classes include beta blockers, prostaglandin analogs, uh, carbonic anhydrase inhibitors, alpha-2 adrenergic agonists, and that's about it, and any, a few different combinations of those medications. I include this just, I know these are a lot of nonsense words to a bunch of people, but just so you know, there are four main therapies we use to decrease the pressure in the eye. They're eye drops. So you put, you put an eye drop in. It depends on the medication, but you put a drop in anywhere from one time a day to three times a day in the affected eye. So the question was, what types of nutritional therapies exist for glaucoma? Unfortunately, unlike macular degeneration, glaucoma does not have nutritional therapy that um, can decrease the progression of the disease. Could you explain the difference between high blood pressure and uh, glaucoma pressure? Yes, I'll be happy eye? to. So this is kind of a confusing uh, concept, but blood pressure is not related to glaucoma. And it's hard to explain, but your eye has its own mechanisms for creating fluid. And that fluid is pressure is dependent on two things. One, episclerous venous pressure, which this is all, I know this is confusing, but it's episclerous venous pressure, which is basically the drainage, the resistance to drainage of fluid from the eye. And number two, the rate of production of fluid. So fluid is produced by an active mechanism in a part of your eye called the ciliary body. So they're they're not related, they're, they're different. I don't know if that, without being too scientific, I, I can keep going if you want to, but okay. So the, the ciliary body produces the fluid in the eye at a constant rate, and how well that fluid, some patients may have be hyper fluid producers, while others might be lower fluid producers. And this is still um, a part of science that's under investigation, but they're thinking perhaps some glaucoma patients may be more exuberant producers of the aqueous humor, whereas other patients may have problems with draining the fluid from their eye. 
And if you have problems with draining the fluid from the eye, it's kind of like a stopped up sink or bathtub. If the fluid can't get out, the fluid's going to continue to build behind it. And that fluid continuing to build behind it is going to cause that high pressure. The question was, is that when they laser the eye? And I'll get to that in just a second. That's a very good question. The question was, what's the difference between laser surgery and regular surgery? And we have one more question over here. Every patient's different. So some laser surgeries are best for some patients, and other patients have to go straight to regular surgery. Oh, Azov's a good one. That good? Yeah, that's good. But it's not, I'm not going blind. It's not doing any better. Well, sometimes you, sometimes if Azop's not doing the job, you have to start with another drop. Yeah, I think so, food, food have a lot to do with it, too. No, food actually does not have anything to do with glaucoma. Food don't, yeah, cheese and eggs and stuff don't do it? No, cheese and eggs don't do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> we have question one more question. over here. Uh, what's the borderline for the eye pressure to be considered normal? So anything less than 21 is normal. But for some patients, if they have really bad glaucoma damage, I like to see their pressure at 8 or 12, so really low. So each person has an individual normal if they have glaucoma. So, But textbook-wise, less than 21 is normal. Question over here. Yes, I, I was wondering. I know that for glaucoma there are eye drops that can be used, you know, to take the pressure. But is there something like a a diuretic for the head area or something pill that people could take to lower their pressure as well? That is an excellent question. And yes, there are a few different pills that we can give um, in glaucoma to help lower the pressure in the eye. One of these diuretics is a medication called Diamox, or the other name is acetazolamide. However, I only use that in patients who have un... It's acetazolamide or Diamox. It's the same medication. They just have two different names. But I only use that in patients whose pressure I can't control with um, drops because it has a lot of systemic side effects. Um, it causes tingling around the, the mouth and in the fingers. It causes things to taste bad. Some patients who can get kidney stones or cause uh, electrolyte imbalances. Um, I'm not aware of any studies that are written about nutritional supplements affecting glaucoma. There are studies, numerous studies about macular degeneration Unfortunately, and I want to reiterate this, glaucoma is not affected by nutrition, what you eat. How It is affected a little bit by exercise. Exercise can cause a lowering of pressure in the eye. Marijuana can cause a lowering of pressure in the eye. As we all, I'm sure you've heard. But other nutritional supplements don't cause lower pressure in the eye, and they don't affect glaucoma. Yeah, so, so there, there's that answer. But it does affect macular degeneration. Yes, question over here. Yes, is uh, uh, glaucoma uh, hereditary? That is an excellent question, and this is another reason why um, um, nutritional studies aren't as much a role in glaucoma because a lot of patients think, or it is hereditary, and I'll get to that in a minute too, 
But if your mom or your sister or your brother has glaucoma, you're at an increased risk of having glaucoma. And they think it's because of the anatomy of your eye makes you more predisposed to developing those optic nerve damages. I have a question over here. And then I'll, I'll, get, I'll continue with my presentation after that, too. So we'll get to laser, like these nice ladies asked about in surgery. Is it possible uh, for people that are taking the drops that the color of your eye will change? That is an excellent question, yes. So there are a few different types of categories of drops that I mentioned earlier. And of these drops, you can see these are the four different categories, and they all act by a different mechanism in the eye to reduce the pressure. So this, this group of drugs called prostaglandin analogs, um, they're the first-line treatment for most patients, and they can cause discoloration of the iris itself. However, it doesn't happen in blue-eyed individuals as much or brown-eyed individuals, but in patients with hazel eyes. So green and hazel. So if you have a little bit of brown mixed in with your iris color, it can cause permanent and irreversible darkening of that iris. But I have blue eyes, and blue eyes, I don't have any brown in mine, so I'm, I'm not at as much of a risk as somebody who has some brown and green mixed. So the question was, if you have any of those three colors in your eyes, do you still have a risk? So if you have a mix of any sort of, like, brown in the iris, you do have a risk. With the mix, yeah. So um, back to laser treatments for glaucoma. Um, there are a few different types of laser treatments for glaucoma, and these laser treatments work by helping open up the trabecular meshwork, which helps facilitate drainage through the, through the trabecular meshwork. These are relatively low-risk uh, procedures, but you do have to have a lens up in your eye and someone trained like an ophthalmologist in this surgery needs to do it. Um, and I often use it when medical treatment fails to reduce pressure enough or when the patient can't comply with the medication, such as the medication causes a lot of eye irritation. So there are three types of laser. Um, the first one is called a laser iridotomy, and that's only used if you have angle closure glaucoma. The next type of laser, and this is the one I do, is called SLT. It's repeatable. So over time, the laser can lose its effect. But the good thing is if you do an SLT on them in 5, 10 years when the laser works off, it's often, you're often able to do it again and get the same effect. The next type of laser is the ALT, and that one is not repeatable. I think we have a question in the back row. With uh, uh, the pain... In the eye. Why? why? That's I've asked my doctor to take the eye out, but he won't. But it's very painful at times. That is a good question. So the question is, what causes the pain in the eye? When pressure gets really high in the eye, like in the 40s, some patients can have severe and irretractable pain. And we can only only help that pain if we can get the pressure lower. So a lot of times when that happens, when the pain's that high, we have to do what's called this laser iridotomy because most of the time patients with primary open angle glaucoma don't have eye pain, but the angle closure glaucoma is when you have a lot of pain. So that could be the cause of your pain or it could be something else, but that is a good question. Close, angle closure glaucoma can cause a lot of pain. So now on to surgical treatment uh, for glaucoma. This is a pretty 
a rapidly expanding field at the moment. Um, the traditional therapy for glaucoma is what's called a trabeculectomy. But now we have tube shunts. We have what's called CPC, which is kind of destroys the ciliary body, which produces the fluid. And then the newer surgical treatments are what's called are little devices called the eye stent and the express shunt. So um, the first line treatment that has been around for numerous years is called a trabeculectomy. This is often a, this is performed when medical therapy or laser therapy fails to reduce pressure enough and the patient's still having either too high a pressure or continued visual loss despite aggressive um, therapy. And we basically make another drainage system in the eye to release the fluid and have it drain out another way to lower the pressure even more. As you can see right here, this is called a bleb, and this is the new fluid drainage portion of the eye. Next we have what's called a tube shunt. And there are several different types of tube shunts. But we put this tube into the anterior chamber of the eye. And that tube drains fluid back behind the eyeball itself. And that causes a lowering of pressure as well. Um, one of the newer treatments is called an eye stent. And often um, for patients who've had this, this is combined uh, procedure with cataract surgery. So we put a, a stent in the eye, and here it is up against a penny. See how tiny this is? It's little bitty. And then you go through and put this, this stent in the trabecular meshwork during surgery, and that helps drain the fluid a different way as well. And finally, the last one I want to talk about is called an express mini shunt. And this one is also as tiny as the eye stent. But this one, instead of going from inside the eye, you drain it from outside the eye. So here, here's the surgical instrument putting the um, expression in. And here's a picture of it on magnification. So as I mentioned earlier, people with a family history of glaucoma should be screened because you're at an increased risk of having glaucoma itself. And um, does anyone have any questions? I I had a, a cataract removed on on uh, one eye, and it uh, the other eye is total. But uh, after the, the 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 cataract was beautiful, it came beautiful. Mm -hmm. But the glaucoma it just put it into a trauma, and and now I just I don't have straight ahead vision. I I just I can see movement. That's all I can see. Cataract and surgery I can lower can lower uh, the pressure in your eye by about two points on average. However, patients with glaucoma are at an increased risk to of two things after cataract surgery. Sometimes there's a transient pressure spike after cataract surgery itself, and that transient pressure spike in patients with end stage glaucoma can cause even more damage to the optic nerve and more vision loss. The other thing that happens in glaucoma is, uh, after cataract surgery is patients are prescribed a steroid eye drop, and that steroid eye drop can sometimes cause an increase in pressure in the eye. So it can cause worsening of glaucoma, although after the healing process, it normally does cause a reduction in the pressure. Thank you. You're welcome.
Say it again, I'm sorry. Distress caused the pressure to increase. No, that is a good question. It's not like blood pressure. Stress does not cause an, an increase in eye pressure. Okay, um, I just want to know if you have those surgeries, because I already lost eyesight in one of my eyes. Uh-huh. And I know you said wait for those questions for you. That's fine. You so um, I want to know about the, the surgery with the stent, stents. I stent, yeah. So not all surgeons do all these um, all these procedures, and it you'll have to. It depends on the glaucoma specialist you go see. So yeah, um, they want to do that on me. They do want to do it. Yeah, yeah the, but I'm scared because I'm figuring it it won't work. Maybe the scar tissue will grow back and it it'll become the same as it was before. So sometimes um, it's difficult. It's a difficult discussion to have with your doctor. Because, as we all know, oftentimes surgeries work, and they work well. But there's always a risk that the surgery won't work because medicine's still not perfect. We wish it was, but it's not. So it's, it's a tough decision to make. But this is a, this is a good procedure. Um, it's less invasive than the some of the... Stunt. The express shunt and the eye stunt stents are good, are good procedures, and they're less invasive than the tube shunt or the trabeculectomy. Or, so, or the laser? Well, not everybody's a candidate for laser. I didn't like the laser. Yeah, yeah. Not everybody's a candidate for laser. It depends on the type of glaucoma, how high your pressure is, what the cause of your glaucoma is, things like that. Okay, thank mm-hmm. you. You're Another welcome. question here? What's the question? Okay. What caused a hole to bust directly in the center of your eye, that right in the pupil? A hole busts there and go all the way through your eye, and the fluid runs in the hole out the back. I'm not. So the, there's a hole in the center of the eye. Sometimes that we make, uh, we use a laser to make a hole in the, in the posterior uh, capsular bag after cataract surgery. This hole just came by itself and just burst. That might be that might be a retinal tear, that or that retinal hole. That's something that's actually different than glaucoma. Yeah, right in the center, just a hole burst in there, and it ran went all the way through my eyeball. And the doctor said fluid was running in the hole from the front and going out the back. That sounds like a um, a retinal problem. You think it was pressure would cause it? No, sometimes that just. That just happens it sometimes. Because I can't see directly in front of me. Sounds like that sounds like a not a glaucoma issue, not a pressure problem. That sounds like a a retina or macular issue. Yeah, I, I do have glaucoma, but it happens. And sometimes gla- people can have more than one eye disease at a time. Yeah. Which is crazy, <laughs> and unfortunate. We had a question up here real quick, and I'll get to my next patient of how they put these tubes in the eye. So the tubes in the eye. Yeah, so a lot of times we'll do the cataract surgery, and then we have to put a special lens on the eye and get the visualization of this angle, and then we go through the hole we made for the cataract surgery and put that same tube, same. Yeah, they implant it, and you probably had a good result, and you probably are happy. See, we have a happy customer over here. Okay, we have a question, question back, back here. here. Um, the question is, can you have glaucoma only? Yeah, or you can see nothing. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, sometimes glaucoma, the question is, can you have 
what are the causes kind of of glaucoma just in one eye and is that common? Glaucoma normally affects both eyes, but it can affect both eyes asymmetrically. So one eye can be a lot worse than the other eye. But sometimes if you've been hit in one eye, like trauma, like a, I'm from Arkansas and there are a lot of BB gun injuries to eyeballs or Nerf gun injuries. And you can be at a risk of glaucoma in the eye that was injured later on down the road. We have a question right here. So the question is, at, um, this lovely lady had a retinal detachment. And after a retinal detachment, she developed a cataract and became, became what's called a glaucoma suspect. And a glaucoma suspect isn't something I really talked about in this presentation. Glaucoma suspect means that your optic nerves might look like they have an increased cup to disc ratio or your pressure might be high. So that can make you a glaucoma suspect. So she asked, by getting her cataract out, will that change her glaucoma suspect? Um, the answer to that question is no. You'll probably still be a glaucoma suspect after you have the cataract removed. But removing the cataract can help your pressure sometimes by about two points. So steroid medication, the question is how do steroids affect glaucoma? So steroids um, in glaucoma in some patients, they can actually make your pressure higher. But not everybody, and that's what we call steroid responders. But not everybody is a steroid responder, and not everybody's pressure will go up after starting steroids. Can you talk about secondary glaucoma and end-stage glaucoma, please? Thank oh, there you are, yes. So secondary glaucomas, there are a lot of different causes of secondary glaucoma. Trauma is the cause of secondary glaucoma, and secondary means that it's not necessarily having to do with the, the structure you were born with, like primary open angle and angle closure glaucoma, but something you may have acquired later in life. So the two main types of secondary glaucoma that I like to think about um, are angle recession glaucoma, which is when you were hit in the eye, or inflammatory glaucoma. So sometimes patients um, develop inflammation in their eye for a variety of reasons. Some it's idiopathic, which means we don't know why it's caused. Some it's caused by infection. And when that happens, you can develop the secondary glaucoma because it causes scarring closed at the angle. And that we treat a little bit differently than um, primary open angle or primary clo angle closure glaucoma. What was the other part of your question? End-stage glaucoma. So end-stage glaucoma can be any cause of glaucoma. So it can be primary open angle, it can be angle closure, it can be secondary angle glaucoma, and secondary glaucoma. And what happens is that just means you've lost so much vision because the disease is so severe in, in that individual that they only have a small amount of vision remaining. So the question is, if after glaucoma causes the damage to the nerve, if the pressure's lower, will your vision be restored? And unfortunately, the answer to that question is no, because glaucoma causes damage to the nerve. Nerves, as you all probably may be aware of, don't regenerate after they're damaged. So because they don't regenerate, that vision can't ever be brought back. But lower pressure in the eye has been shown to decrease further nerve damage, which translates to prevents further vision loss. Okay, so the question is, um, this nice lady must have experienced this in the past <laughs> because she knows what's going on. So, 
So she is questioning whether stress and nutrition can play a role in flare-ups of glaucoma. So for the majority of people in this room, they have primary open-angle glaucoma. And that is something different than this nice lady is talking about. She's experiencing angle closure glaucoma. And angle closure glaucoma, as I mentioned earlier, is when you can get the severe pain in the eye and the headaches and the nausea and the vomiting. It's really a miserable thing to have happen to you if you've ever had it happen. But that's not generally related to stress. It's related to growth of the cataract or some patients, but not mainly Asian patients, can um, develop intermittent attacks. And that's not really related to stress either or other medical ailments ailments. Glaucoma contribute to RP? The question is, does glaucoma contribute to RP, which is retinitis pigmentosa? And no, it does not contribute to RP. Sometimes patients with RP can have glaucoma as well, but the two diseases are different. No, stress doesn't have anything to do with glaucoma. It's kind of, and you're an exceptional case. I can tell you have You've had glaucoma probably for a long time and have had to deal with it for yes. um, extensively for probably many, many years. So you're a unique case, and you're not, you're not standard, if you will. But I figure if you get stressed and your vision goes out, I'm not sure what's causing that. But you should probably see your doctor and talk to him or her about that. Um, this beautiful, shy lady actually wants to know if there's a correlation between diabetes and glaucoma. So the question is, is there a correlation between diabetes and glaucoma? The answer to that is kind of complicated. So some studies say yes, some studies say no, but patients with diabetes do have a higher incidence of being found that they do have glaucoma. And whether or not diabetes actually causes or contributes to glaucoma damage, we're not sure if there's a correlation there. But diabetics do go to the doctor more often, and they do have to have eye exams more often. So we're not sure if maybe that they're just being seen and screened for glaucoma more often. Yeah, because I don't have diabetes, but my doctor always keeps asking me if I have diabetes. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there was a correlation. No, there's normally not a correlation between the two, but sometimes diabetes causes other changes in the eye. So maybe he or she is seeing these other changes in the eye. Now, I noticed... uh, I've been diagnosed with borderline glaucoma in one eye, and ever since they give me the medication, the drops, I've noticed that my eyesight is getting worse. So, and especially when I'm like on my iPad or the computer, after a while, I have to like. So this lady asked, "Do glaucoma drops ever make your vision worse?" No, the glaucoma drops aren't associated with worsening a vision, but sometimes they can dry out your eyes. And dry eyes are especially problematic when you're looking at computers or reading or um, doing tasks that require you to focus more because when you focus more, you don't blink. And when you don't blink, your eyes dry out. So one thing that I tell often my patients to do is consider using artificial tears whenever before they start reading or um, working on a computer, and that can kind of help those symptoms. You're welcome. We have another question back here. Yes, ma'am. This is in the interest of holding out hope for the future. Are they doing anything in stem cells where they can regenerate the... The The uh, optic nerve? Um, Not that I know of at the moment, not for glaucoma. They are doing it for macular degeneration, though. And I think as science continues to advance, there's hope. 
um, especially in hope that maybe there will be a treatment in the future that can restore those nerve cells that have been damaged. The question is, what causes itchy eyes? So there are lots of different causes for itchy eyes. Sometimes they're allergies. Sometimes it's pollution. Sometimes it's dryness. Um, you can, to relieve that, there are lots of over-the-counter drops that you can buy at CVS, Walgreens, wherever you decide to shop. That can help with that. These medications are NAFCON A, Zatator, or you can just try artificial tears. The question is, have you heard of Charles Bonet, um, their illusions? So Charles Bonet, does anybody know what this is? So it's when patients who are blind still see hallucinations, if you will, of like a girl playing in a garden or a truck driving down the street, something that they know isn't there, but they still perceive it. She mentioned that they see people in these hallucinations that they've never seen in normal life. And it's very, a very interesting phenomenon, and it's something that you need to, us as physicians, need to educate our patients on because a lot of times people think they're, they're for lack of a better term, going crazy. But they're not. It's just a normal part of the disease. I'm from Arkansas, too. Oh, welcome. Like my fellow Arkansans. Uh, uh -oh. <laughs> oh, there's another one. We're all Arkansas. over the place. And right here, too. <laughs> anyway, when my, when my wife stresses me out, uh -huh. my blood pressure goes up, Yeah. and I can't see. Well, so <laughs> Hello. you and your wife need Tell to talk me. about this one. Somebody brought it up before. The, pressure, <laughs> the blood pressure goes up, and you can't see. Well, I would tell you this. When your blood pressure goes up mm -hmm. and you can't see, you probably need to go see a doctor because well that that is actually a bad thing. Um, Com -com stress. Yeah, Com -com it's not. Stress. So if your blood pressure is too high where you lose vision, well, you probably you, need to go to the emergency room because that can be dangerous and cause stroke. It's never over 120, okay? As long as it's normal, that's it's, that's okay. But I'd still, if you really can't see and it's that bad, that can be. Uh, pre-stroke type condition. I stress. <laughs> yes. But if it's really high, you got to go in and be seen. But it don't get that high. My blood pressure get up to 120. That's about it. I don't uh, know. Maybe it's you and your wife. That's a stress. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. Uh, another question back here. Okay. Another question back So the question is, can some of the medication you put in your eyes call, cause heart problems? Um, so one of the classes of medication we use are the medications called beta blockers. Beta blockers are also used to treat heart disease um, in patients who have heart failure or um, arrhythmias, things of that nature. So they won't necessarily cause heart problems, but in patients who don't have heart disease, they can cause bradycardia, which is slowing of the heart rate, which can be symptomatic. I have a question right here. Um, any of the prostaglandins, and those are Lumigan, Zalatan, uh, Travitan. Okay. Then there's also, you can use Bromonidine, um, Azopt. Okay. Com there's lots of different ones. So. Now, one other question for you. Now, I heard you mention that marijuana was good for glaucoma. Well, it's, uh, keep going. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's, an, it's an old tale that I've heard many times. Yes. Many patients, so I'll rephrase this question a little bit. Um, everyone, a lot of 
you have heard that marijuana is used for glaucoma. And sometimes patients develop cancer, and there is an oral form of glaucoma or of marijuana that helps stimulate, stimulate patients' appetite and help them gain weight because patients who are undergoing cancer lose a lot of weight and lose their appetite. So she, her question was, how does the oral pill help glaucoma? And that is an excellent question and one that I don't know the answer to, and I don't think it's been studied. So you may have given me a new idea. <laughs> Study that medication and the effect of pressure. <laughs> and so smoking it, does it really affect the pressure in the eye? So the next question is, does smoking marijuana really um, affect the pressure of the eye? There is, so glaucoma, one of the, the problems with glaucoma and patients who develop glaucoma, they've found that patients have widely fluctuating pressures and those pressures fluctuate throughout the day. And in the early morning hours, their pressures tend to be really high and at night, they're lower. So glaucoma causes a transient decrease in pressure. However, that decrease in pressure is not long-lasting. And there is a problem that it may cause more widespread pressure variations, which may or may not affect the progression of the disease. So while it does lower pressure, its role in treatment of the disease is limited. Oh, we have another question over here. So the question is, why don't eye transplants exist? And the answer to that question is complicated. So, some types of eye transplants do exist, but these are only corneal transplants. So, they can transplant the front of the eye to make you be able to see better in patients who have diseases of the cornea, which is the center clear portion of the front portion of your eye. However, eye transplants is a little bit more complicated. And the reason for that is science isn't there yet. So, to basically, in a short, short, succinct answer, our our advances in science haven't advanced that far to enable a nerve from one eye to be reattached to the nerve of a patient's eye. Like nerves, like I mentioned earlier, don't regenerate, and we have to make those two nerves compatible with each other, and that compatibility doesn't exist yet, and partially it doesn't exist because we don't know how to regenerate or regrow nerves that have been lost. Thank you all so much for uh, having me, and I appreciate it. Okay, I want to let you know that if you would like to view the video from this seminar, you can go to YouTube and Braille Institute, and you'll be able to see it again. Okay? This program was recorded by the Braille Institute on May 7, 2014. Airs LA is grateful to the Institute for making it available to our listeners.